What's the gospel? Put it in a sentence. The gospel is the news that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for our sins. Rose again, eternally triumphant over all his enemies, so that there is now no condemnation for those who believe, but only everlasting joy. That's the gospel. And welcome back to the Pulse Podcast. This is where we aim to tackle Pulse-raising questions regarding the Christian faith. My name is Toy Akinoso. I'm your host and I'm joined once again by Mike Omini. And today's question is one of the more popular questions which you often get asked as a Christian. It's, should Christians follow the Old Testament law? Over to you then, Mike. Well, hey, Toye, thank you for having me back. Of course, this question is very, very important. Christians up and down the country and around the world will always wonder what role is the Old Testament meant to play in my life? Now, I did start, um, in my family at least, a a little revolution a a, a couple of uh, years ago where I tried to get us calling the Old Testament the First Testament. No one joined me, and I have since left that uh, uh, campaign behind. But I think it's helpful to call it the First Testament because it helps us understand that it still has relevance, especially uh, in our Christian lives. The idea that it's all about the New Covenant and the old, the, the old part of the Bible, sorry, the, the First Testament is just to be th- uh, thrown away because it's, it's, it's totally useless. It's not a very helpful way to do theology. I know folks who never read the Old Testament. They don't see it as relevant or useful. They think there's nothing to gain from it and it should just be done away with. I know folks who would go further, who would only um, read the red parts of the Bible and say that's what Jesus said, that's all that matters, everything else is useless. Of course, this is not true. Uh, if we th- believe that the Holy Spirit is 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 the author of the Bible, and he saw, and he oversaw the process uh, where we had editing, we had a division into chapters, division into verses, we had a rejection of the apocrypha, and all these other texts. Then we have to agree that God, um, in His sovereign uh, will, thinks that the Old Testament or the First Testament should be part of the Bible as we receive it. So it still has instrumental and intrinsic worth even in today's day and age. And I say that to folks who who just reject the Old Testament uh, through and through. That that's not a helpful way to look at the, uh, to look at this uh, question. The third thing we have to, the second thing then rather, is we have to answer this question in parts. There's a sense in which we should zoom out and consider the whole law and what the purpose of the law is. This is a question, helpfully, the Bible helps us answer throughout the New Testament. Um, and Jesus actually speaks directly too. Then we should also speak to specific parts of the Bible, of the First Testament, that Jesus also speaks to. Uh, he speaks uh, specifically, for instance, in Galatians and, Ma- and Mark about pork and what we should do with pork. So where in the, in the and uh, um, addressed to the Levitical priesthood, or addressed to uh, uh, um, uh, through the through the Pentateuch in general, where we hear about pork, Jesus has a direct rebuttal for it. So there's certain laws that he speaks to directly, but on top of that, um, we then have to think about. Um, so let, let, let me clarify. So firstly, we must consider the kind of overall instrumental purpose of the law. Uh, then we, secondly, we must consider Jesus speaking to specific parts of the law. And then I guess thirdly, we can look at what reformed Calvinism has to say about how we treat this. This is a question that's plagued people for a while. So which one would you like to do first, Toye? Um, Let's start with the first. 
So okay. You can, never, you can never go wrong with a beginning. <laughs> Just testing your listening. Testing your listening. Because this can be long, but it's so important. Yeah, well, the first thing is the law is very, very important. Why was yeah. the law important? Well, historically, the law was a way for God to set people apart, to show us who were his chosen people and to ensure that they would live peaceably among each other and that they would live long, long enough that they may repent and actually... Uh, 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 live in accordance with his uh, his desire for them so the law wasn't uh just this this thing put in place by a capricious god who's random but a god who had their best interest at heart but also wanted to show them that even through their best performances they couldn't meet it so the law in that case was a mirror a way to show people their shortcomings but also a way to protect their peace to protect their relationship to, to, to protect their custom and to set them apart as a chosen people now because that's the point of the law there may be parts of the law that adherent to now protect us as people. Doing away with that history because it's, it's totally irrelevant and, and we are now to start from scratch isn't the most helpful way, especially when we hear that Jesus says he came to fulfill the law, not to get rid of it. That shows us that there is some instrumental use for the law. There are parts of the law that are worth thinking about, worth discussing, worth debating even. It's not just to be chucked away and, and, and never to be seen again. It's something that we can revisit and, and in an instrumental way consider how may it be helpful for us as we move forward in this journey to look more and more um, like Christ. So that that's number yeah. one. Um, number two then, I guess, is to consider, well, what does Jesus say about certain laws? Well, helpfully, he addresses certain things in the First Testament. I use the uh, example there uh, in Matthew 17, Matthew 5, when he begins the Beatitudes in 17, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus fulfills the law and fought on our behalf so we can stand behind him essentially and enjoy what we get from his fulfillment. But if we look at something like pork, right? In Mark 7, he answers it. In, in Galatians, equally, he answers it saying that, no, we are absolutely okay eating pork. Like we can eat it now because it's not what you eat that defiles you. It's what, you, that, it's what comes out of you that defiles you. The same thing is true of, of the Sabbath day where remember the story uh, again recorded in Matthew and other gospels of Jesus working on the Sabbath day uh, the Pharisees coming to him saying whoa 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 this is against the law what are you doing and he goes you guys have missed the point of law I am the fulfillment of it but, uh, yeah. but equally this is what the law was pointing at which you've missed right so he addresses specific laws there so Christians who still say oh well I, I must not eat pork because it's, it's against the law well Jesus addressed that and and there's a number of those kind of laws that Jesus directly addresses and I think it's worth studying also yeah. if we zoom out a bit and we look at what most reformed churches think or what calvinisms uh, uh, calvinists may reform to as covenant theology um what well, the point there is that the mosaic law continues under new uh, under the new covenant but certain parts of it has expired certain parts of it were for a specific group of people for a specific time for a specific custom and are no longer um applicable the westminster confession of faith 
divides, as most people know, the law into three categories. It's not something we're speaking about off air. Into moral, uh, civil, and ceremonial laws, right? And and in the and in in that view, uh, moral it's, it's only the moral laws when we consider Mosaic law that still apply today. That includes the Ten Commandments and commandments repeated in the New Testament, uh, uh, demonstrated by Jesus. Those still apply to Christians today, and those are consistent. So everything we see in the New Testament of Jesus' behavior is consistent with the moral laws enshrined in Mosaic law that we get in the in the First Testament. Jesus fulfills them. He carries them on. Principles of of not murdering, uh, of loving folks, of sacrificial giving, of of sacrificial living that continues, and and it applies to every single Christian today. If we consider some ceremonial laws, well, they they were pretty much restricted to regulations pertaining to certain certain uh, ceremonial practices or cultural practices, stuff about cleanliness and stuff about uh, diets or festivals. These are things that, 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 that we, we can call, I guess, in some parts, uh, the Levitical, uh, the Le- Levitical priesthood and, 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 and no, it firmly applies to them. So the question really becomes, well, what do we do about those ceremonial laws um, and those, um, uh, uh uh, what's the, civil, laws. civil laws well in so much as they are helpful to the pursuit that we have now in this on this other side of eternity they are useful and instrumental the, what, what i'm saying there is you you kind of have to be careful because they often overlap and it's very di- i mean th- that division is helpful when you're studying the bible because it gives you three loose camps to put different precepts you read in the old testament but the truth of the matter is they often overlap so 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 you might have a ceremonial law that w- that was very much about so for instance respecting the temple right which was a ceremonial law uh, um well we know that our temple isn't the bricks, uh, isn't the brick building we live in, but our body. So, should you respect your body? Well, yes, you should, but not in the same way it was practiced before. That is a ceremonial law that that that, that overlaps to some degree uh, into a moral law, but also it's in, it's still useful for Christians yeah. to think about today. And that's the kind of uh, mixes you'll get as you study these things. You know, you'll see certain things in Scripture. Um, um, no, that you may say, okay, that's a that's a civil law. That's about the way societies behave, but it's still relevant today because it aids our pursuit. Uh, yeah. of who god is so ultimately the, the point there is it, it's a lot more complicated than the old testament is useless or let's get rid of it or it's really simple nah christians should not obey the old testament it's not that simple unfortunately it takes careful application but ultimately we must think what is the new covenant about well it's about resting in jesus's finished works right it's about resting in his, in his finished works well ask yourself what does that mean to rest in his finished works doesn't mean to to slice out chunks of the Bible that are useless to you. It's to seek to understand more and more of who God is by virtue of looking at his history, one his historical behavior, but also how Jesus, how you can find the story of the gospel in every single story, every single story in the Bible. This is what's ma- magnificent about the First Testament. You can trace it and see how every story is a minor road leading to the major road, which is that Jesus is uh, the, the gospel of, of uh, uh, that's going to be proclaimed. Jesus' story, namely, will be that major road connecting all those tiny, sm- uh, uh, small minor roads. So ultimately, that becomes the great adventure Christians get to go on. They get to look at historical stories and historical texts and work out how does this relate to Jesus 
Jesus? How does this point mean to Jesus, to, to Jesus' yeah. finished works? So in that way, they are not useless. And they must never be seen as useless. But also, we must take time to carefully study them so as to make sense of what they may be saying, but also how they may aid us in enjoying God even more with Jesus revealed to us in the Second Testament. Yeah, that was really good. And it, it was something you said um, quite briefly about how the, the laws, well, the civil law and the um, ceremonial law, those laws don't apply necessarily, but their principles very much do. The principles are timeless. So the laws of the, uh, in the book of Leviticus, the laws may not apply, but the principle, which was you're a set-apart nation, you are Levites, the principle being set apart still very much applies. And this isn't something which is only in the Old Testament. We see this in the New Testament as well with some laws that Jesus gives. So there's a uh, a part in Matthew where the disciples ask Jesus well how do we fast and Jesus tells them when you fast you anoint your feet and you anoint your head well today when you fast ask yourself do you do those two things well no, no you don't so do you say that law was useless no it, Jesus was trying to get at a principle there essentially he was telling them when you fast do as you would normally do so at the time you would normally anoint your head and your feet at the start of every day jesus is saying when you fast do not look any different as you would on any other day so if jesus was to say that text to us today it would be when you fast make sure you're clean shaven make sure you go to the shower just look as though as you look in every standard day so therefore in that instance there the law doesn't apply however the principle is timeless and that's the same with the old testament so the ceremonial laws and the civil laws of others the specific law may not apply the 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 principle of those laws are very timeless so in the civil law which is all about like the daily living of the israelites so um about like the food you eat um the places you can go how to treat uncleanliness um because we live in a drastically different culture that law doesn't apply but the principle of how you should live your life um, very much does, and which is what Jesus exemplifies in, in the New Testament. So yeah, I think that that's a good model for me to use, and those three different laws is something that I use. So whenever I think of an Old Testament law, I firstly think, well, which one of the laws is it? Is it a ceremonial law? Is it about worship? Is it about sacrifice? Is it a civil law? Is it about daily living? Or is it a moral law? And then after getting into that category, then I can think, okay, how do I now approach it? And that for me, if you kind of think the way I do, is something which really helps me. Yeah, I mean, if you look in the Bible, um, especially the New Testament, again, this goes back to a podcast we recorded not too long ago about how to study the Bible. Typically, things are repeated. So, so when you think about fasting, which you just made mention of, or, I mean, you only have to read uh, Matthew 6 and read the kind of second chapter in the Beatitudes to hear Jesus' teachings about fasting. Uh, he tells us quite plainly, when you fast, ensure no one can see that you're fasting. Uh, you know, dress well, look well, um, um, look normal, uh, in, in, in so much as you wouldn't raise alarm that this guy is fasting. Now, what's God trying to get at there? What's Jesus getting at here? Well, he he's getting at you fasting. And again, you read a couple of verses before, he speaks about prayer and how when you pray, you should shut the door so no one can hear you. Uh, because the idea there is to turn our hearts away from each other and to turn our, not I say turn our hearts, turn our minds and our attention away from each other and instead to put it on God. Namely, what does God think of what I am doing? You know, am I fasting to people to be appeased by them, to uh, to have them be impressed by me? Or am I fasting so, so as to be empowered by God that, that my spiritual hunger may be harmonized with my spiritual one? 
my, not my physical hunger, I'll be harmonized with my spiritual one, and I may get to know more of him. Typically, when we read anything in the Bible, whether it be a law or be a precept, it is repeated, and it's repeated in different ways, and our job is to go through all those different ways so as to try to decipher uh, uh, the, the will of God. We are not to read the Bible like robots and, and go, okay, this one is expired, this one carries on, This one, th th that's not the point there, because if that was the point, well, someone can just go through the Bible for us and tell us what law we should obey, yeah. what we shouldn't obey, which good, which is bad, that's not the point. The point is the first testament is as relevant today as it was then. It is still to be studied because it shows us, it reveals crucial characters of God. It, it explains to us historically what God's doing, but also it shows us that the Bible is written by one author. And from the beginning of time, he's been telling the same story. And what we must do with study is try to decipher, well, how does that story in the first connect with the story in the second? Because they aren't two different pictures. And this is the what we, we wrestle most times when we read the Bible. We think about them as two separate pictures, but they're not. It's the same author writing the same story. And, and we have to humble ourselves and prayerfully seek to, 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 to wade through the whole counsel of God, to really understand what, what the picture he's painting is and how, how we may observe it uh, yeah. even more clearly than we currently do. Yeah, thank you so much for that, Mike. And thank you guys for listening as well. Um, I'm sure this is one of those topics that take a bit more deeper study. So let us know if you agree, if you disagree with anything we've said. And as always, please feel free to send us your questions at hello at our God-given mission. Thank you for listening. See you next week.